Good morning, Fellowship Asheville. We're so glad and blessed to be doing this Advent this week. And something about this passage is, if you're like our family, we watch Charlie Brown Christmas every Christmas. And this is when Charlie Brown is like, what's the real meaning of Christmas? And Linus was like, well, this is the real meaning of Christmas. And if you think of Linus, he always drags his blue blanket everywhere. But I find it interesting that when he talks about and reads, or reads this passage is he drops his blanket when he's talking about this passage. Um, so yeah, I'll let my sister read. Okay. Hi, I'm Abby. Um, today's passage is going to be Luke 2, 8 through 20. So if you want to follow along, you can. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away and into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told to them concerning the child. And all that had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. Thank you, Buckner sisters. And so we're going to be in that passage today, if, if you haven't found it yet, be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. I missed you guys last week. Glad to be back. Um, so we're going to be in, in Luke 2. And, and as you're turning there, and, and as we uh, have those words uh, that they just read kind of, kind of in our minds, I, I want to, I want to uh, kind of give a, um, kind of open up just asking about and talking about uh, like a big letdown. All right, so in 2017, there was, a, there was kind of the height of like the music festival scene. All right, and so there were a few guys that had, a great, that had what they thought was a great idea, and they started putting together plans for like one of the most exclusive, like crazy music festivals of all time. Uh, um, they, they had like over 30 uh, top artists that were going to come. This is the, the announcement that they were given, like over 30 of the top Billboard you know, artists over the last few years, uh, there, there were uh, tons of celebrities and influencers, which is just still kind of weird to me that somebody can just live off of being an influencer. Have you ever Googled a name and it just says personality? And you're like, they're worth that much money for just existing? Like, this is weird. I don't get it. Uh, but tons of influencers, celebrities, uh, we're, we're all over social media hyping up this event, um, saying that there's going to be like gourmet food, uh, luxury suites to stay in, optional VIP tickets. Um, the, the tickets ranged, and it was right around spring break time, so it was going to be a week-long music festival um, on the island that Pablo Escobar used to own. All right, so it was called Fire K, F-Y-R-E, and it was called the Fire Festival. All right, so, so, so the, the hype around this thing was enormous. Like, tickets were going anywhere from five hundred dollars to $8,000, for the week, depending on the ticket. There were VIP ticket packages, all this stuff. April came around, spring break was coming, people were excited. The only, and the biggest problem that happened uh, with this festival 
is that it never actually happened. So people paid money, they got on planes, they flew from all over the world to Fire K, they showed up, and there were tents and a construction site. There was no stage set up, there were no artists there, the food that they were promised was basically like a sack lunch that you get in kindergarten on a field trip, and that was it. There was no festival, it didn't happen. It was one of the biggest scams in history. It was a huge flop. Just, just recently in the last few, in this last year, this happened in 2017, in the last year there was a, a $200 million lawsuit filed basically just to try to pay everybody back for the tickets that they gave. And so the, the, the problem with big announcements, with, with big, like the fire Festival, is that if there's no realization, it doesn't mean anything. And so for us, as we're coming in, as we hear the Christmas story, as we're thinking through the next few weeks, what that holds for us, I think if we're honest, the announcement of Christmas, Advent, talking about Jesus coming, um, I think if we're honest, some of us are afraid it's going to be kind of a flop. Like we're going to hit Christmas morning, we're going to do the same old thing, and then by that evening, when we're like kind of sick to our stomach because we ate more cookies and sweets than we like ever do the rest of the whole year, we're kind of wondering like, okay, was that worth it? Or why did we do this? Or, or whatever. I mean, it, it might feel like a flop. And so what I want to give us today, what I want to hopefully walk us through this passage, is that the announcement of Jesus coming is not a flop. It's not a hoax. It's not a scam. It's not something that, that, that once Christmas morning's over and we, we clean up the wrappings, that like, that's not it. That's not what it's all about. Um. And so what we see in the passage today, we're going we're gonna to look through uh, Luke 2, 8 through 20, uh, like, the, um, like the girls just read for us, and we're going to look at three things. There are three kinda, kind of as we walk through this story, there are three things we're going to look at. There's an announcement, there's an encounter, and then there's a response. See, the fire Festival had the announcement, they had some kind of encounter, it was terrible, and then there was a response, which was a multi- million dollar lawsuit. So for us today, for all of us in the room, uh, we all kind of have like our own shepherd story, okay? And we're all kind of in different places. For us, an announce, the announcement of the good news of Jesus looks different for everybody in the room, but I want, I want to kind of help us look at some underlying motivations of what it means to respond and encounter Jesus and after hearing the announcement of his birth. So, so let's just put ourselves in, the, in kind of the, the, the shepherd's shoes just for a little bit. Okay, so, so verses 8 and 9, and, and in the same region, so this is right after Jesus was born, Mary was given this promise, it happens, he's born, they name him Jesus. In the same region there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. All right, so let's just, let's just remember for a lot of us, we just kind of think, you know, shepherds are just kind of like... Random people out in a field, this happens, they show up. But there, there's some significance here. Uh, more than likely, these shepherds uh, were keeping um, the, the sheep that would be used in the temple for sacrifices for people's sin. Okay, so these guys, they grew up, they're Jewish. Uh, they grew up in this religion, in this community. They understand the, the, the first five books of the Bible. They're very familiar. They're very familiar with the prophets, very familiar with the Psalms. And so just think, like, the last time... These guys heard stories about what's happening to them is like they, they maybe the night before, like with their families around the dinner table, 
uh, like right before they go out in the field and do the night shift, um, they're reading the story of Jacob. Or like Jacob's out in the wilderness and he lays his head down on a rock and like the glory of the, the Lord shows and there's a ladder. You know that story? So they would think like that kind of stuff or they would think about the Isaiah story where, where Isaiah is just kind of hanging out and then all of a sudden the glory of the Lord shows and he's like in the temple room, right? So, so when, they, when this happens to them, I mean, it's like crazy because this kind of stuff, they're thinking this kind of stuff only happens to like people that are a big deal, you know, like, like Jacob, like the guy that got renamed Israel, you know, like, like this only happens to like Isaiah, the dude who, who like pronounced the downfall of Assyria and gave us the hope of God coming and recreating the entire earth. All right, so in their minds, that's what they're thinking. They're like, like this doesn't happen to guys like me. That's what they're thinking. Like, this is just, like, what, is, you know, I mean, this is, like, total, like, mind-shifting, like, mind-blowing, reality-shifting thing. And then, like, they see that. Like, that's what they see, verses, verses 8 and 9. And then we get the announcement, all right? We get the announcement. It's very familiar to us. Let me just read it again, uh, uh, verses 10, 11, and 12. And the angel said to them, fear not. All right, it's, like, easy for you to say. <laughs> like you're an angel. <laughs> they're terrified. Like there are stories in the Bible of people going into God's presence and dying. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, the, so they're terrified for, for good reason. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, uh, there, there's a few things, uh, when we're talking about the announcement of Jesus that they're giving, there, there are three titles I want to kind of focus in and talk through. Because I think for us, the, the names of Jesus uh, kind of can flow together. Like a lot of us maybe even think Christ is Jesus' like last name or something, right? Or his middle name, like Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is a title. There's Savior, there's Christ, and there's Lord. All right, so Savior, um, Savior is the first one. And um, so once again, context is, is helpful. I don't want to get too Bible nerdy with you this morning, but you kind of knew what you're getting into, okay? So the Savior, uh, what, what that means is saving from what? When we think Savior, uh, we typically, if you're like me, you grew up in kind of like a theology mindset or you grew up in church that basically says you're a sinner and you need saving so that you can get away from earth and be in heaven forever with Jesus. And that's kind of the, the right, I mean, that's kind of the general framework that we have, but we got to think this is a whole different context that, that uh, the angel's talking to the shepherds in. For them, salvation was a very real thing where God literally saved his people out of the hands of an evil empire. Dating back to, to Egypt, and then the Babylonians, and then the Assyrians, and then, you know, all throughout the, the, the uh, history of Israel— salvation, a savior, would be literally someone who would show up. Like God would say, I'm going to send you Moses to save my people, to redeem my people to do that. So for them, when they're thinking savior, they're thinking for them, it's not Egypt that has them in captivity. It's the Roman Empire. Uh, it's, it's not Babylon. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Darius. It's not these evil kind of kings. It's Caesar Augustus. It's the evil Roman Empire that's coming in. I mean, you got to think these guys... This land that they're shepherding their flock on probably been in their family for generations. I mean, this is deep, deep, like it's in their DNA to, to, to shepherd this flock on this land. This is the land that was promised to them by God to Abraham 
thousands of years before they're even here. So when the angel shows up and says, we're going to send you a savior, they immediately think we're going to be finally be set free from the bondage of this power that rules over us whether we like it or not. And so the connection for us is the announcement is that when a savior comes, there are powers that oppress us in our lives that we, whether we like it or not. And there, that plays out for a lot of people literally, physically, monetarily, with justice, injustice, oppression that happens spiritually, right? Like there are, Paul, Paul says like, oh man, who's going to save me from this body of sin, this, this kind of force that, that draws us away from God's will in our lives? Uh, but for us, I just want to just say, uh, in their mindset, saving isn't removing from the earth and being detached from it forever. The reality is that when they're thinking Savior, they're thinking from the earth for the earth. I love, uh, there's a guy named Christopher Wright. He wrote this great Bible nerd book called The Mission of God. Um, good, like, like Christmas present because it'll take you a whole year to read. I got it for Christmas last year and I'm finishing up hopefully this month. Probably not. I mean, it's like a textbook. It's brutal. Uh, but he's got this great line, and he talks about how um, the, basically the story of the Bible can be wrapped up in, in the idea that God created this good earth, and he gave it to humans, which, which were his best creation. And then we made a mess of it pretty quick, and the whole Bible answers the question, what can God do about our mess? See, God, God was, isn't trying to save us to take us out of the earth. He's actually going to come back, redeem the earth, and we're going to be here forever and rule it on his behalf in his image. Okay, so I know that's like a little like different sermon series maybe one day. Um, but I just want us to think that when we're thinking Savior, when you hear Savior, Jesus coming to earth, it means Savior from a lot of things. It's not, I mean, to say that, to say that he just came to save us from our sins so that we can go to heaven forever, that, that's a great part of the gospel. That's a great part of it, but that's not the whole thing. See, Jesus came to bring heaven down to us. Jesus came so that heaven comes and God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven space is God's space and earth space is human space. And it used to overlap with the Garden of Eden, and then that was broken. And there was a, there was a, a sever, and there was, a, there was a, a chasm between God's space and human space. And God repaired that by creating the temple. And there were sacrifices, and that's how God's presence would be back. He was recreating the Garden of Eden. But then that kept failing because humans, we just keep, like, we just keep messing stuff up, right? Um, and, but it, so eventually what happened was God came as Jesus as a human and he brought heaven to us and that intersect happens forever now. That's why Paul said if anyone in Christ, is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's temple language. That, that's just recreate. So every time any of us place our faith in Jesus as our savior, we become a little like heaven hotspot wherever we are on earth. And God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. And eventually Jesus comes back saves the world fully in an entirety and the heaven and earth are once again forever together and overlap. So when we think Savior, it's true. Yes, Jesus came to save us from our sins. Absolutely. 
man, there's a whole world that you're going to miss if you just think salvation is something future. Eternal life starts now. It's possible to, to experience right now on earth as it is in heaven. So the second, the second title is, is Christ. Okay, so, so Christ, um, that is all, through all the you know, thousands of years of language change and translating the Bible, it basically comes down to the anointed one. All right, so let's have a little, a little Bible trivia time. You get Jesus points if you answer these right, and you cash these in at Christmas, okay? You hold on to these points until Christmas, all right? So in the Bible, there are three different, you can call it like offices or titles or jobs, whatever you want to do. What do you want to call it? There are three different uh, titles, and this is good online. Uh, you, can, you can put this in the comments if you're watching online. Uh, three different uh, jobs or offices that get anointed in the Bible. To be anointed, normally that happens, they would symbolize that by pouring oil on someone's head. Okay? Anybody got a guess? King? Great. Priest? Prophet? Great job. Whoever said that, you know who you are. Give yourself a Jesus point, and you can turn those in later. And if you lie about it, God will know. Okay, so so there are three, king, prophet, and priest, okay? So whenever we call Jesus the Christ, we're calling him our anointed one, okay? So if you look throughout his ministry on earth, he fulfilled all three of those things, right? We call him the king of kings, right? He, the king is the one, obviously. What does a king do? He rules. Great. That's the easy one. Okay. Now, prophets and priests, Jesus also fulfilled those anointed roles and ministries, all right? Because as the prophet, the prophets all throughout uh, the Bible, they were people who would bring the message of God to the people. Okay, so they, they were the people who would, who would kind of go before God and then come to the people. And the priest, on the other hand, kind of did the opposite in a way, fulfilled a different role because they would go to God on behalf of the people. So that's why you had the priest going in, making sacrifices for the sins of, of the, the people of God. Okay, so Jesus, he came to fulfill all three of those. All right, we know ultimately he was crowned on earth, not with a crown of gold, but with a crown of thorns. And we know in Hebrews, if you were here with us a few weeks ago, we kind of did a survey of Hebrews and how it talks about that right now he is seated at the throne at the right hand of God. He's fulfilling his kingly role, ruling over the earth through his people right now. Okay? Prophet, he fulfilled that role, right? I mean, some of the most famous words of the prophet in the Old Testament. What's like the number one word of the prophet in the Old Testament? It's an old school word that we don't like, but it's in the Bible, so we've got to do something with it. It starts with an R. Repent. Right? What's the first thing Jesus said after he came up out of the water and was anointed with God's Holy Spirit? He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he fulfills the role of the prophet, trying to call God's people back into faithfulness to him. All right, then the third thing, the priest. He did that ultimately uh, by sacrificing himself on a cross instead of spilling the blood of a, of a, of a one-year-old lamb for the sins of the people. He fulfilled the, the, the role of the priest where John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then as he died on the cross, his blood and faith washes us of our sins, cleanses us and brings us back into that rightness with God. Okay? So, so when we say Christ, it's not his middle name. It's not his last name. You know, Jesus Christ. No, it's Jesus, the anointed one, our faithful king, our powerful prophet, and our holy priest that's calling us back into faithfulness with God. And then the third thing is Lord. All right, this is an easy one. We, we say a lot. We really only say it mostly around um, 
Christmas time, but I'm just going to kind of say this one and then just hopefully just this is a good, a good one to, to think on and meditate on uh, because for us in like a Western, you know, democratic republic is really weird for us to think through. But when it says, Lord, uh, think about around Christmas time, we say all the time like, and the government will be on his shoulders. Man, that's a good one. But as Lord, that's how easy it's going to be for him to rule. We think of, right, because, because you place a yoke the burden on your shoulders, what did Jesus say about his burden and yoke? It's easy and it's light. So when he's Lord, when he's ruling, so just something to think through this week. Um, so so those are the terms. And what, ha- what happens with those terms, we say all the time, our Savior, our, our, you know, Jesus, our, our Christ, our Messiah, our Anointed One, and Jesus, our Lord, uh, it, it kinda, we kind of like lose the like kind of wow factor of those pretty easily. Um, it's kind of like, like, does anybody enjoy any kind of like marketing? Anybody marketing people in here? So I used to not be, and then a few years ago, um, I started really getting into like specifically marketing in like the food industry, and I thought that was super funny because there's some things that we just like take as like, like oh okay, I guess that's good for me, but we don't think about it. Like I love on flour or on bread, it says bleach enriched. Isn't that funny? Bleach, like, when has bleach ever enriched anything? Like, we know what bleach does, right? We clean our, yeah, it, like, destroys everything in its path, right? But, like, eh, let's soak some stuff in it and then cook it and then eat it. You know, it's like, what? No, we shouldn't do that. Uh, but basically, we just started doing that because it makes the baking process easier and stuff. I looked up the, the why because I'm a nerd. But uh, just so you know, bleach enriched, that's a funny one. So next time you see bleach enriched, I hope that doesn't, I actually kind of hope it does ruin it. You shouldn't be eating things that are bleach enriched. Um, Sorry, another one that I really like is like no added sugar. You ever thought about that one? Or like no sugar added? So what that basically means is they only put the amount of sugar that the recipe calls for. And they don't add any more than that. (laughs) Right? Which is great because like they make the recipe. They can say it's as much sugar as they want to put. So I love that one. Um, But one of my favorites, so so just fun, like kind of food marketing. Um, I don't know if this is dating myself well, it kind of is because, like, like, now I don't have TV with commercials. But do you remember those commercials for cereal, you know, where it'd have, like, some weird mascot, like, talking, like, critter, like, trying to get us to buy cereal? And there's all these, like, kids doing, like, cool stuff, like winning championships and all these things, like, cereal helped with that. And then I love at the end of the commercial, what does it always say at the end of the cereal commercials? Part of this complete breakfast. Good job, Andrew. One cereal point for you today. So, so, all right, so let's just picture, you know, you guys remember them saying that? Part of this complete breakfast or part of this nutritious breakfast. All right, so, so there's a bowl of cereal, and it's surrounded by the complete breakfast. You know, there's like some poached eggs and a glass of orange juice and a bunch of fruit and some whole grain toast. And it's like, if it's part of the complete breakfast, why do we need the cereal? You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, like... I, and, but we hear these things like with food, with like marketing stuff, we hear these things all the time and they don't like really add anything. We just kind of take it like we just kind of have grown accustomed to it. But when you th- actually think about it, it's like kind of funny how, they, how it lands, you know? And like when you actually start kind of piecing it together, you're like that doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense. The, the problem is those titles, those three titles, Jesus coming for Christmas, I think can just sound like marketing at this point. Like, it can, we can just get lost 
in the buzz and the gray area, and we hear these titles, and we th- and we just hear Jesus, and you know, like you ask my, like like my three year old, you're like, what, you're like, what's the point of Christmas? And she's like, you know, it's because it's Jesus's birthday, and you think that's so sweet, and then she prays to Santa at night. You know, it's like, I mean, you know, like that's just kind of it. It's like funny, but that's true. So, um, so pray for us. Carol's doing a great job in the kids ministry. <laughs> Um, no, 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 not, Carol, not Carol's fault, not Carol's fault. I'm blaming culture at large because that's what we do as Christians when we don't know what else to say. Um, but I just, I just think, like, seriously, like, we, we can get so numb to, to those things. Like, like, if we're not, like, when, like has the reality of us as a, as a, just in this room, like, as we're singing those songs, as we're lighting the candle, expecting Jesus, the light of the world to come, I mean, have we even taken time to let the, the message of Jesus come. Because like the angel said, it's good news. The, 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 the almost literal translation for them coming and saying, hey, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. It's almost like, hey, I'm coming and I'm gospeling you a news of great joy. Like it's good news. It's, it's how we normally translate gospel. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm preaching to you good news. The good news is that Jesus coming, Jesus coming, fulfills a reality that we could never create on our own. He comes and he, he fulfills the role of our Savior. Saving, some, saving ourselves is something we could never do despite our best efforts. If we could, he wouldn't have needed to come. Man, being the anointed one, the one to fulfill that role of God on behalf of the people and the people on behalf of God, we could never do that on our own. We tried. They, they could have done it in the Garden of Eden and they messed it up. Page three. You know? And we just can't do it. It gets lost to us. So I don't want it to lose its punch. And so here's just kind of what I want to say to wrap up this point. And don't worry, we've got two more points. Um, God, the God, the, the, the person, the God that created and sustains the entire universe, he came down from heaven so that we can experience what real and true life is. And he's announcing his goodness in our lives every day, whether we feel it or not or we think it or not. He, he's announcing this good news to us. Every day we're shepherds. Every day we're going about our business. We're doing our jobs. We're taking care of our kids. We're trying to figure out where the next paycheck's coming from. And God is announcing his good news to us. Paul put it this way. He said that God reveals his glory through all of creation. I mean, I mean it's, it's hard to miss, right? I mean, just the person sitting next to you is proof that there's a good, loving God because the person next to you is a, an incredible human being. The fact that we even, like, exist is great, right? I mean, I mean but we miss it. And, and I think that the, the, the fact that the shepherds, that, that they go to shepherds, the angels come to the shepherds first, is, should be, hopefully, I, I think, like a great comfort to us because I think the two main reasons why they came to the shepherds first uh, I, think, I think one main reason they came is because they were like the perfect candidates to hear this news in everyday life. Uh, when Caesar Augustus was born, um, there was a herald that went all throughout the Roman Empire. And, and he proclaimed, he said, Caesar is born, the son of God. He is our savior and our Lord. That's what they said about Caesar. Uh, whenever you walk into a major city in the Roman Empire, there would have been a statue of Caesar and the, his title would have been Savior and Lord. And for us, 
we're shepherds in our own right hearing this message, and I think it's, it makes perfect sense that we would hear this good news because, man, we've got messages saying either someone else is the Lord of our lives or you're the Lord of your life, right? I mean, we herald that news to ourselves all the time. We, we, you know, or we have other people heralding it to us. I catch myself doing that with our, with our one-year-old, right? I've got a friend, I love it, he says, we, we spend the first two years of kids' lives convincing them they're the center of the universe and the rest of their lives convincing them they're not. And I'm still a recovering kid. <laughs> and I'm a recovering baby where I think everybody should do whatever I want all the time, especially if I cry, right? I mean, we still kind of think that. And then I think the second reason why he came to the shepherds and why it's like pretty comforting for us is that God uses the humble to lead the powerful. He always has. That's been the way of the kingdom. That's why part of it's upside down, right? I mean, I mean just think about the fact that like he's going to shepherds nobody's working the night shift. These guys were probably even so unclean, like they, because of their job, they wouldn't have been able to keep up the, the purification rituals to even be able to go into the temple to worship because they're out with sheep all the time. And what's crazy is instead of God telling them, hey, go to the temple and talk to the high priest, that's where I'm starting. He said, hey, no, 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 you, heaven's actually come down and you're gonna go to a stable or a cave or manger, whatever. And the place that, that does your job with you, the manger, is where you're going to find your Savior and your Messiah and your King. And so, so for, them, for us, you say, man, why me? Why me? It's because you're a perfect candidate to receive God's love and mercy. Just by fact of God creating you, you are a perfect candidate to, to hear this good news of Jesus. But the problem is, we learned from the fire festival, an announcement is only as good as its fulfillment, right? Like everybody knows that sports fan at the beginning of every season where they're like, this is our year. Yeah, and then it's not, you know, like it's not your year. You didn't win it, you know. Um, but we all know that the, the sports fans, their, their announcement, the, their excitement at the beginning of every season is only as good as the championship game. You know, And so the, the good news is, like I said earlier, God doesn't lie. He's not a hoax. It's not a flop. If you're hearing the good news of Jesus today and you take him at his word, you're not going to be let down. There may be times where you feel distant. There may be times where, you know, I'm sure the shepherds, when they left, I mean, even walking up to see Jesus, like, it had to be just like, like, let's just look at the reality of it. Like, they hear the news, they go, and then it's kind of like, okay, you know, like, what if they were telling, we hear that they tell people, but what if they told them just because it was so, like, crazy they couldn't believe it, you know? I mean, this maybe wasn't a salvation story for them. Maybe we've seen God work in our lives, and, and, it, and, it, and it feels like, what now? Like, this isn't going to, this isn't, okay, this is great, but it's not going to pay the bills. Man, this is great, but it's not going to get my loved one out of the hospital. Man, this is great, but whatever. But listen, I just want to encourage you today, after the announcement, after we hear the good news of Jesus, whatever, wherever that is in our life, maybe it's for salvation. Maybe it's to place your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's just the hope of, of talking about the idea of a new creation and Jesus coming to make all wrong things right. You just need that. I just want to encourage you. Look, I love what the shepherds did. They just took God at his word. And they just, they just, they just took him at his word just to see what would happen. See, encounters, we have, we have the announcement, but then we have an encounter because encounters with God, they happen when we take him at his word. 
Encounters with God um, happen when we take him at his word. And when I say encounter, I don't mean like today if you just like go home and find a random verse in the Bible and just say, God, I believe it. Sure, I'm not talking about like some big like audible voice of God or, or like, you know, a vision or like the heavens open up and an angel comes down and talks to you and, or, or anything like that. An encounter with God a lot of times is where um, his goodness and our faith meet. Okay, so what I mean by that, a lot of times encounters with God happen in hindsight. When you come, you come out of a hard time, and, and maybe even years later, you think back of, oh, that's what God was doing in my heart. And that's where you feel that, that connection of, God, you really are faithful. You really are good. You really are true. Um, sometimes the, desert, the, the, the shepherds are out in the field. They're out in the middle of nowhere, nothing going on. And it, and it hits them. And for some of us, we feel like we're kind of wandering out in a field. <laughs> And we, we need that encounter. And, and uh, the encounter happens, like I said, when we take God at his word. Um, a great, I heard this quote, I don't remember who said it. Um, it said, don't, don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Uh, there are seasons of our life where it's like, man, I, I've like, C.S. Lewis called it peaks and troughs in our spiritual life, like waves going up and down. There are times we feel like, man, we're right there talking to God. And then there are times where you're lower. Um, a great, something that really freed me up. I remember my mentor looking at me one time and said, hey man, just because you think something doesn't mean it's right. Just because I don't feel like God's there doesn't mean it's true. Thank goodness, all right? Thank goodness. And so um, we're, we're gonna talk at the end kind of a little bit more about what it means to encounter God and take him at his word. But I wanna look at the response. This is where kind of the rubber hits the road because for all of us, uh, whether you're someone who's been following Jesus for a long time or maybe you're, you're new at following Jesus or or you're just curious and you're interested, um, the announcement of Jesus is true. And, and, our encounter, and the encounter with Jesus comes at the point where we take God at his word. Um, but then the response, um, it kind of differs depending on where we are in our spiritual journey. Um, and so I just kind of, as we close, I just want to give some practical, some just three kind of practical ways for us to encounter Jesus as we take him at his word. All right, so you, you, we've heard the announcement of Jesus We've heard his word. We, we know who he is. And so there, there's just three ways. The first thing I want to do, I love verse 15, where they're just like, all right, hey, let's, let's go to Bethlehem and see. Let's just go look. Man, for, for some of you today, um, you can't even remember. We can't even remember the last time we had an intentional time to sit down and meet with Jesus. And that's the first thing I want to do. Make it a point to be with Jesus. Um. If, you, if we pulled out, anybody, I know, uh, who are my type A people in here who have had their 2022 planner already filled out for a few weeks? Anybody? A few? Yep, Stacy, totally. Okay, good. Uh, how many of you guys are like using your iPhones and, and you wake up every morning and you kind of see what's on the agenda when you hit the day running? Anybody else? I'm an iPhone guy. Yep, okay. Um, how many of us have ever actually put it on the calendar and scheduled a meeting with Jesus. And that's not a shame thing. We don't have to raise our hand. This is the, all right, we'll keep it rhetorical here. Um, because uh, just, just some, some stats that are interesting. Uh, the average American, they look at their phone 58 times a day, which works out um, to be about uh, 40 minutes a day just looking at your phone, not screen time, 
but like just looking at your phone to see if there's anything else you can do with it. Um, who else gets the Sunday morning notifications about how many screen time hours they spend a week? It's bad for someone who's about to preach. It's tough, especially when you're going to say things like this. Um, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was convicted this week because I was going through the Psalms, and Psalm 16.8 says, um, I continually keep my eyes on the Lord. And then I saw my screen time, how much I spend, and like, what if, what if, I know this is kind of, kind of you know, uh, pie in the sky kind of thing, but what if I prayed as much as I spent on my phone? Like, what if I did keep my eyes on God as much as I kept my eyes on my phone? Just a simple thing to think through. I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to get rid of your iPhone or anything. I'm just saying, and I don't think they're like evil. There's a lot of good that's co- that comes from it. Um, like when you leave your wallet and then you can use Apple Pay at the grocery store, right? It's a good thing to do. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, what if, what if we made it a point, like actually scheduled and you sat down? Like, remember whenever quiet time was like a thing? Like, what if, what if you sat down and you actually said, scheduled on your phone, wake up, whatever time, you sit down and said, okay, Jesus, I'm here to meet with you. This is my first appointment for the day. And you just took some time to read the Bible, to pray, to sit in silence, seeing if God has anything to say for you today. I mean, that, thing, that piece of anxiety, that meeting you're not looking forward to, or that conversation with that person, right? I mean, what if you just took time to start the day and actually made it a point to be with Jesus before you made it a point to do anything else? The second thing is uh, meditate on what God's done in your life. Um, a friend of mine who's been following Jesus uh, for a bit longer than I have, he encouraged me a few years ago, um, super helpful, man, like, I felt like I was like one of the shepherds in the field and God just like wasn't working in my life. And he said, hey, Matt, why don't you make a timeline um, from the day you met Jesus to today? Like literally get a piece of paper, draw out a timeline, and write down every time you can remember like something that you felt like God was working in your life. And write it out. Write it out. Fold it up. Stick it in your Bible. And every time you open your Bible for the next few weeks, open that up. And think about all that God's done. And just thank him for it. I mean, meditate on it, right? I mean, verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was meditating on the goodness of God, his word being fulfilled to her. That's what she was doing. And then the last thing is is take God at his word. Um, Verse 19, it said, for all the things, or verse 20, sorry. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Um, and so I think a helpful practice for this that you can do is get a piece of paper and all of the things that you think that are keeping you from encountering and having time with God, write them out. Whether that's busy schedule, whether that's screaming kids all night, you know, whether that's anxiety, whether that's you just feel like you haven't heard God's voice in so long you wouldn't even know what it sounds like, write those out. I mean, literally, make a list. Get honest. Do some real interior work here. Write those things out. Draw a line beside it, and then make another column beside it and, and take some time, either find Scripture, talk to a friend, email one of us. We'd love to help you and say, hey, I need a, I need a verse of the Bible that, that combats that so that whenever I feel that or I'm going through that, I can, I can pray this and I can take God at his word over that. Um, Paul calls that being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Modern day, modern day science calls that neuroplasticity. 
but it's being transformed in the renewal of your mind. And you're taking God at his word. God, I feel this. I'm going through this. But you said this, and I need it. Wow. Um, so those are just kind of those three things. And, and I want to close in prayer, and we're going to continue in worship. And I, and I hope that, that our hearts are continually warmed this Christmas season um, by the good news of Jesus Christ. And that, that he came for us to bring us to God and do something in our lives we could never do on our own, despite our best efforts. And uh, maybe throughout the, you know, last few years, the last season of your life, man, what used to be a real, like, fire in your heart for Jesus has kind of, like, grown down into a coal. And, man, Paul encourages Timothy, says, fan into flame that gift that God gave you. And, man, I hope that as we go to Christmas morning, that everything we get to do on Christmas, man, is just that much better because of the reality of Jesus. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for how good you are. Thanks for loving us. Father, thank you that Christmas is so much more than um, how we experience it a lot of the time. Uh, God, that, it, that it's the reality of your son coming, like we read this morning in, in Philippians. Um, didn't, didn't consider equality with you a thing to be grasped, so he humbled himself, took on our likeness. He lived the life, the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved to die. But now he's sitting right, right there with you at your right hand, ruling over us, um, doing his work, the thing that he does, which is making all things new right now among us, Father. Lord, we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.